Tigers and Bears, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Sam, a.k.a. Henry Pintail. My name is Gibson, otherwise known as the fabulous Phil Franklin. And I'm Kyle, also known as Chubbs McNubbs. Yeah, today we are joined by our very special guest and colleague, Kyle. Um, so today we are going to start off with some weekly updates as usual, and we're going to start off with the California fires, and a pretty big deal that's just been released is that they are 100% contained at this point. Um which is big. We also wanted to make the point that this year's Black Friday sales have set a new record at $6.22 billion in online sales alone. Um, also, we wanted to mention that the caravan down at the border of... Uh, shit, I don't know what to say about <laughs> the fucking caravan. <laughs> my, I like it. Want me, my to bad. Do it. want me to do it? Go for it. We also make the point that the caravan crossing that occurred towards our border was handled through the use of tear gas by our border patrol. I just want to let you guys know I'm not editing that out. That's definitely saying <laughs> me in the podcast. <laughs> okay, and on the wider side of our on the wider side of this week's news, we would also like to mention that the Lion King live ad live adaptation is set to release on July 19, twenty nineteen. Yes, and um, the cast is actually pretty interesting. We have James Earl Jones as Mufasa, um, Donald Glover, or Childish Gambino, as Simba, Beyonce as Nala, Seth Rogen as Pumbaa, Keegan-Michael Key as Kamari, I don't know how to pronounce his name, as Scar, and Billy Eichner as Timon. And I think you mentioned John Oliver as... John Oliver will be voicing Zazu, the very lovable bird. Interesting. So this this God should bless. be yeah exactly. God bless. This should be a good movie to go out and see. Um, today's topic for today's topic, we like to talk about the internet. More specifically, whether we should consider the internet as a savior or a slaver for the general human population. And one of the first points we like to bring up was how has the state of the internet changed in the past three to four decades, as well as how has human perception of the internet changed in this time. I want to start right open with the social media because I think this is probably the biggest driver and uh, manipulator in terms of how the internet has changed. Um, I think that social media such as Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, what have you, has really sort of thrown the internet into a state of everyone knows about it, everyone's talking about it, and everyone is included. Um, I think having a voice on that platform and an individual persona where someone can see your typical beliefs, what you're posting, what your daily lives are about, all of that stuff makes a big difference and an impact on how the internet was like sort of portrayed because, you know, we were talking earlier tonight about how um, when the internet started, it was really just sort of like an open source. This is where we're exchanging information. You know, you can look some things up and that was pretty much it. You know, you could play some games on it and now it's evolved into this like monster of a beast that like controls our lives yeah and uh in addition to that i find it interesting and in just how ironic the name social media is considering that how unsocial it, it actually is yeah, yeah it kind of makes us anti-social in an odd way uh in that 
we almost see more value in having an absolute shit ton of Facebook friends or followers or what have you and see having actual interaction in a lot of cases obviously there's er, <laughs> exceptions but um we see frequently that people are prioritizing the internet and having followers or so on over actually having real friends and a real life following yeah i feel like that's like a good point to make it's not just how the state of the internet has changed in this short range of time, but also how how much emphasis and, for lack of a better word, belief we put into it. Because when the internet was first started, it was primarily used by universities or big institutions as a way to communicate information just more efficiently. And then it's and then it slowly progressed, and more businesses were using it, but it still wasn't used as well by common people. But those of us, but those who did have access to the internet during its early stages, like were, were they worshipped it because it just changed how they could conduct business. They thought it was just so revolutionary how they could do all this. Now, jump ahead a couple of decades, we still worship it, but we don't worship it as just the means to do better things. We worship it, in my opinion, as a way to, as like an escape. We spend so much time living in the internet, or we spend so much time looking for distractions, and we ju- and in many cases, we judge our success in lives or how popular we are or how smart or whatever by how many by how many people recognize us on the internet and how much recognition we get from it, whether from posts, from photos, whatever. And I feel like it's just like a it's just incredible how the human the human conception and perception of one thing can change so radically in such a short frame of time. The question I always ask myself is like, how did we go from this platform of like worldwide communication, global dispersal of facts and trade and business, you know, operatives to this platform where you're looking up like how to cook a certain meal or like who the next celebrity crush is or who the next celebrity couple is like, how did we go from such a physical, like, embodiment of like actual progress to this sort of like stagnant existence where people just look up things that they don't really need to have a concern with i mean oh sorry yeah go ahead well uh i think it's interesting because um on top of that as 20-ish year old people we sort of saw that transition um whereas you know our parents uh it just sort of got introduced to them. They saw the transition, but they didn't really experience it, I guess, the same way we did. And then you see kids that are younger than us that are just growing up with the internet as a prominent figure in their lives. And we fall into this sort of weird in-between state because, like, we saw the internet before it became what it is now. And... I feel like that helps us better understand like the potential consequences or benefits of having it as it is now. Yeah, we can, I mean, if you really look, if you really remember, I think like from when you were a kid and you think about how, you think about how much of the internet you used when you were a kid, whether for games or whether you just watched videos or whatever, to how much you use the internet now, whether both, whether for academics, for business, for pleasure, it just... We have grown addicted to it. We've not we've grown addicted to it, and I feel like 
people they they can't live without the inter- they can't live without the internet whether in from a business standpoint or whether just from the point that you want to find out what celebrities are dating or whether you want to find out what cat videos are trending on YouTube or you know whether one of your friends on Facebook just adopted a puppy that's another interesting thing you brought up YouTube and like to look at YouTube as a platform of its own you look back to like its conception in like 2006 and 7 and the kind of videos that were popular and trending then to what's popular and trending now. And it's so it's such a stark difference. Like, yeah. there's no comparison to be made at all. And I've watched videos on YouTube specifically that cover, like, you know, the generations of YouTube and, like, what was popular and then and what... I mean, you look back at, like, the start of YouTube and videos like the evolution of dance, which is literally just this goofball on a stage at a talent show, like performing the evolution of dance in a freaking comical way and you know someone posted that onto youtube and it, it had gotten millions of views someone posts something like that now no, no one's gonna see yeah, it no one will go for unless it. someone who is someone posts it you know what i mean which brings you know social media and like the whole celebrity aspect of the internet into it then because it's like unless the major main youtubers are talking about it no one cares yeah oh just one other one other point before my before our guest also talks, I feel like that I feel like the change in attitudes on YouTube could also just be a result of changing attitudes everywhere in the world. I mean, it definitely is influenced by our use of the by our continued use of the internet and how that works in with our lives. But there are also other factors that change the way we perceive and respond to certain videos, whether we consider them funny or popular. I feel like that's just the point we should remember. Back to you. And so then with the streamlining of all of these different websites, social media, YouTube, so on and so forth, becoming as popular as they are and used by literally millions to even billions of people, um, it goes without saying that these sites are then influential in some way, shape, or form. Like, if you have something that's taking up an hour of your day every day, then it it goes without saying that you're going to start developing opinions, seeing things that um, alter the way you think or, you know, reaffirm the way you think for the better or worse. And that has all been brought upon us through these websites, through the Internet, Facebook, YouTube, so on and so forth. Um, kind of, that is a good, your points are a good transition to our next question, which is how has the internet really changed, changed the state of our global civilization? And I think I find it somewhat scary and also somewhat very, you know, inspiring that almost all the businesses, pretty much every business on the planet is, has, is in some way operated or operates with the internet whether from tiny mom-and-pop shops to the biggest conglomerates on the planet, everywhere, everywhere is the internet. Or, sorry, bad grammar there. The internet is everywhere. So I've just pulled up this on the computer, the, uh, this website that is covering the 40 different websites in the world that have more than 1 billion visitors per month and a few that reach the mile, that milestone in just a few months. Um, and so this is covering like the top 30 visited ones. Like, number one in the U.S. is Google, obviously, because that's literally where everyone goes to, like, figure out what else they want to search. Um, 
YouTube being number two, and then you have Facebook as number three, and then you move into some of the other big countries like China, and there's this website called Baidu, which is literally like Google, it's a search but engine. it's a search engine. Um, Yahoo, another search engine. Instagram, there you go, another social media, number six. Number seven is Twitter. And then this this is a big point here too. So we're looking at number eight here. This is a country in France. This is France. It's in the country of France. The category is adult. And I'm just going to read the URL here. It's xnxx.com. Yeah, like, gee, I wonder what that is. Yeah, gee, I wonder what that is. Exactly. (laughs) So it's like 3.10 billion monthly visits. And the average duration people are spending on this website is 14 minutes. And it's just like... I I feel like those numbers speak for themselves. It just blows my mind. Yes. Websites and you... Okay, we all know what this is. I mean... Without saying, you know what this is. And, you know, it just blows my mind that that is the eighth visited website in the world. According to this article, of course. I mean, this isn't like, you know, a, like a, an actual like analytic website. But it, it speaks volumes in showing that this is pretty much using data that they know. And then you look at like number nine is VK.com in Russia, which is another social network. Um, Wikipedia. I mean, that's an an encyclopedia, which this is what's interesting about this is that Wikipedia was sort of one of those original websites that came out on the internet for like file sharing and like information sharing. And then we look at it nowadays, Wikipedia is like known as this like your college term paper writing material. It's taboo, you know, like you're not supposed to use it as an encyclopedia. And I think part of that's due to the fact that people just don't take it seriously anymore. People will go on to the, because you can, anyone can edit a page on Wikipedia. Yeah. Like you could go in and like, you know, you go to like Disney's page on Wikipedia. You could type up a bunch of bullshit that has nothing to do with Disney and save it. And there's no filter for that. Like there's, there's like, there's no moderation. And I mean, like, I'm sure it, it will only be up there for a while before like a moderator does come by and be like, this is nothing to do with Disney and then reverts it back to what it was. But like, you can still do that. It's open source. The idea of Wikipedia and being able to put whatever you want on there, uh, while it might get fixed by the moderators eventually, it does sort of bring up another interesting point of sort of the freeform nature of the internet as a whole, especially with, you know, like we mentioned before, social media sites and so on and so forth. Anybody can say anything they want. And generally, when we're looking information up, we tap on the first thing that pops up in the Google search and read it. And I feel like the majority of us just sort of accept that as fact or, um, you know, we see it as the way it is. And there's definitely potential there that that's simply not the case. We're being fed complete misinformation. Especially when you look at the total visits to these sites such as Facebook. You have 22.30 billion monthly visits on Facebook. And now, granted, they're only spending an average of 12 minutes on there, you know, but like, that's enough time to see a lot of the top stuff that's being shared. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, that, that leaves a lot of room for people to misinterpret something or to just take it as they see it rather than like really looking into it themselves. And that's just part of the way that like these big websites function. It's they function off of like the need for society to know what's in the now even if it's not exactly accurate. Well, it's like the whole thing with uh, Justin Bieber eating the burrito sideways. That was so good, It just blew up the internet, and 
it wasn't even real. <laughs> like, it wasn't even actually Justin Bieber. And I mean, you know, while that is a lighthearted example, obviously it can range from any topic in any situation that we're getting this potentially or most likely, I guess, false information on. What's so funny about that, this is an interesting side note to you guys listening. If you didn't hear about that story, there's a YouTube channel known as Yes Theory who basically do anything and everything that they think would be interesting. Like they'll drop a friend off and take their wallet and phone and like they have to survive on their own for 24 hours. And like they, they're the ones that challenged Will Smith to jump into the Grand Canyon. And then recently after the surge of this Justin Bieber controversy, like probably a couple weeks after it really surfaced on the internet, they came out with an, a video literally showing the process of how easy it was for them to come up with that. Granted, they had some very good help in the guy, I think his name was Brad, that they had, who's also from Canada, oddly enough, who looks exactly like Justin Bieber. And they're like, yo, we want to do this thing with the internet. We want to see if we can make this thing go viral. And, you know, the steps they took were not all that challenging. I mean, they took the picture, you know, they well, they had to, like, frame the whole thing. Like, they went and got his wig done and, like, they did all this thing to make him look like it. But once he looked like Justin Bieber, all they did was take one picture. They posted it on Reddit. And then, like, it started to blow up from Reddit, and then, like, the news handles got a hold of it, and, like, they were just lying, like, no, this is totally Justin Bieber, like, I don't know why you would think it isn't, like, it's definitely him. And then just from there, it just blew up, and it had, it was, like, the number one trending thing on Reddit, and then, you know, it was all over Twitter, it was all just one simple photo that they took of this dude. And it just, that shows you, like, how the internet is so powerful, and that false information can be spread and that you want quickly. to believe it yeah that you want to believe it and that false information can be spread so quickly like it's like it's not hard like anyone yeah. could go on and make something and if it's convincing enough it's it's the real mean, thing you know like I mean, no one questioned it that's a light that's a lighthearted example that's something that we would all find funny but because of this open source because of the open source nature i mean you say one wrong thing either on facebook or if you're if you, for whatever reason you're altering a Wikipedia page and you just put you'd put the word not, N O T, in a place or you don't put that word there, that can change everything right then and there, and then people will get an idea about it. And even if you take it off there, people will still have that mindset. People will still have this that one sentence in their head, and that can change things very quickly, both for you know just one person one per the view of one person or the view of a company or the view of an entire country for that matter. Yeah. I think this, these two topics that we've really been talking about here in terms of like global civilization and then now what we're getting into in terms of the human behavior, I think like they're very closely tied in that like global impact stems from the evolution of human behavior that has been caused and created by the stigma that we have as the internet. Yeah. Well, I think when you're thinking when you're thinking about the global civilization, I think it's not just necessarily how the information is spread through businesses and operations, but also just how the framework of all these businesses is rooted in the internet. Like all of our all the a majority of all the banking done in the world is all online, which is run through inter, through the internet or the way that most of these businesses advertise themselves is run through the internet. The way that these businesses communicate is all through internet-related practices. So I think uh, putting, aside the human element, putting aside the human element and human behavior, 
Our entire world is run on this. All this information is swirling around our heads at any given moment. And I think it's kind of impossible in, for a majority of the world to be unfamiliar with the internet or to not have access to it. And I do understand that there are large parts of the world that have this, that don't have the internet as widely as say we do here in America, but in most cases they still know about it or they still know what it could do or how it runs the world. And I think just that one, my realization and mindset just shows how big this is and how much we depend on it, not just for personal pleasure, just for uh, for medicine, for banking, for fresh water, for traffic. I think it's become the framework of our civilization and I do not want to know what would happen if that framework suddenly collapsed on itself. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's become so integrated in society now that, it, I mean, civilization, I feel like we eventually prevail, but if the internet were to just stop working one day, I mean, it would go insane. Yeah. Like, I mean, the countries would be crumbling. You know, money would just be gone. And that says a lot about human behavior yeah. and our reliance on the internet. Yeah. I mean, it, we definitely have grown dependent on this, dependent on this, what on this plethora of information and this availability, at least here, at least here in America, of having this internet at our finger, having access to the internet at the touch of our fingers at any given point. Which, aside from saying, aside from the nature of our addiction with it, I think also illustrate also helps exemplify our appreciation of remembering things on our own because we have because now that we have this access access to all this information at the touch of our fingertips people don't necessarily feel the need to remember things not certain important things on their own because why would you necessarily remember it when you could look it up at any given point at any given time any day and that's why I would say that it's less of a dependency and more of a necessity. Yeah. Like, it's just become such a necessity. Because, like Kyle was saying, you know, like, if the internet stopped working, a lot of the primary function in society would just stop and cease because of how dependent it is, which makes it then a necessity for society to function. Yeah. Because, you know, you have all these banks and these networks that are run off of a lot of the internet and how they store their information, how they get their information out, how they release certain things, how they do things around in that, that environment. When you lose that access, it becomes unusable. You know, like you can't tell me that the, the primary banks in the world would be able to function optimally if the internet died. Yeah. Like they wouldn't because of how much information, like just think they about all it. They don't know, know it. They don't know it. Years ago, they changed, I mean, they still have files. But, like, think about just opening a bank account, right, at a bank. When you do that, where do they file your information? Onto a computer that's stored in a cloud on the Internet. They don't even hold, like, paper files of people anymore, aside from, like, the contracts that you sign when you're opening an account and et cetera. But, like, most of, like, how the, the banking industry operates, all that information is stored in a cloud on the Internet. And it's like, what happens when the Internet stops working? They lose all that information. Even if they back it up onto a hard drive or something, it's like you're not going to be able to pull it up because it's, it's, it revolves around the Internet, which and, is what I'm saying. Like, it's more of a necessity than it is a dependency, I think. And uh, a final point I want to make just to illustrate how human memory has changed with 
how human memory has changed with this access to information is um, in historians have historians who study ancient cultures often note how certain people because of the scarcity of information and the scarcity of books when people got information they held on to it they memorized it they worshipped having this information in their head nowadays I think it's safe to say and I know this I know now this doesn't apply to everyone but we can I think it's safe to assume that if the internet died down or our phones all died down we couldn't remember more than like two or three phone numbers off the top of our heads and I think just that's just a good way of illustrating the point like if this went if all this information or access to information went away how much would you really remember about stuff you needed to remember and uh, that sort of brings up an interesting question. Uh, it might be a small tangent, but would because of this constant access to information and none of us really retaining 100% of it like you would if you actually had to sit down and study a book or something instead of just pulling up Quizlet and calling it good, um, do you think that's making our generation less potential oh uh less intelligent i guess less um conscious i think it's uh, a different type of intelligence well how so like it's more of like i'm probably gonna get crucified for saying this because <laughs> i have i know that there's people that listen to this that will completely disagree but like i think that it's more of like a real life sort of interaction smart rather than, like, book smart. That makes sense. Because when you're on the internet, you know, like, yeah, you're not witnessing that firsthand, but you're still learning about it. It's the same thing. To be honest, like, the the internet is basically a giant book. I mean, like, if you could sit down and read the internet, it's you, it would be like the same the thing as what, you know, like, like, past generations did when they sat down in classes and, like, read encyclopedias or, like, read from textbooks. And not to say that we still don't use textbooks, because we do, but, like, even in our case... We're in a class right now where, like, other than Gibson, no one really reads the book. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you don't need to read the book to, like, understand what we're learning. And so it's like, <laughs> part of that is that it's just like, you know, why read the book when there's other sources that get that information to you faster? And, you know, that sounds really shitty because, honestly, that sounds like you rely on this to succeed. But, like... I still retain the information, even if it's if even if it's not that I'm reading it from the book itself. If I'm not reading it from the physical text, and just like within our major like landscape architecture as a whole, you know, like we we sort of like deal with that stuff through real application and through like you know trial and error. Mm -hmm. A lot of that stuff comes that way, and you know that's just this one example. But like I feel like in terms of like if it makes us less intelligent, no, I just think it's a different type of intelligence. I just think it's a different way to learn your information and to fact check and to sort of, you know, back up your ideas and beliefs. And that the problem then becomes the difficulty of navigating the correct information that you need to be learning. You know, when you read encyclopedias, you knew pretty much that that was like universally acceptable. Like that was the knowledge that everyone knew about at the time. And like that, that was what everyone knew and everyone needed to know. And it's like, now it's like with the internet, like you have certain sources that you can't really rely on. So it makes it more difficult to gain that knowledge and to gain that intelligence because you're having to sort of fish through 
some misleading information, some distraction. So it, it just makes it more challenging. But um, yeah, I wouldn't say that it makes us less intelligent. Because I, I think there are definitely people that are in our generation that are very intelligent people. And some of these people don't even, even if they use the internet on a daily basis, they don't rely on it. It's not like, you know, you're always going to have those people that do rely on it, that get all of their information off the internet and have no other way of learning it. But like, you, when you live life, you learn, you know, you, you become intelligent through real life application and experience. And that's something that will never change. You know, like you're always going to, at least in our lifetime, you're always going to have to go to school. Yeah. You're always going to have to like get an education and through that, you know, whether or not you use that internet as an application to like sort of facilitate that, you're still going through school and going through this education system where you're going to learn. And you know, some education systems are worse than others. I know you've talked about it on multiple occasions that like the Colorado education system is like garbage. Like it's yeah. it's not good. <laughs> yeah. And and it's funny because I come from a place where the school district that I was in at least was very, you know, good like it was very pronounced it was very like well known and it's been it's been good and it's been known as a good district for years so it's like that's also a stigma and that has nothing to do with the internet you know yeah. so it's like really it just it sort of comes down to how you view it but i like to answer your question i know this was a long-winded answer i just don't i don't think it's going to make you less intelligent if you're relying on the internet for certain things no. yeah i feel like a a different sort of intelligence is the way is like the right way to put it. I don't. I don't think we're any more or less intelligent than you know people before us, fifty years in the past, or so on, where uh, the internet wasn't as prominent as it is now. It's just sort of like now that we have all of this information at our fingertips, we might not necessarily know how to do something or the answer to whatever homework question or so on. But we can figure it out, no problem. Yeah. And, like, it doesn't really require any effort at all. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, like, hearing about this kind of stuff just makes you wonder about where every, like where we're going to be go, where we're heading, like, as a species with this as access to information. I mean, I'm always optimistic, but I think that people need to learn to be what, not independent but less dependent on the less dependent on just the internet as a source of facts and figures and information you have to be you have to be able to remember this stuff to learn it to understand it to whatever you need to and what however you get i'm not condor, i'm not condoning this for all activities but however you get the information I feel is fine so long as you hold on to it and you can remember it and you can practically use it whenever you need to. But so I think that one point I'm just we make is don't take this gift of information, you know, without thanks. I mean, if not for that, I guarantee you that many college students' grades would drop two letter grades without it. <laughs> Uh, I, I can atone for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just depends on the student. I think there's people that don't even really have to rely on it. There's always those people that, and this is true, I mean, I remember being in high school, and you had those students that were, like, skating by regardless of, you know, how the class was going. And then you had people like me who, like, worked my ass off and studied as hard as I could and still couldn't get the same grade that they got. I had people in my math classes that wouldn't study shit. They'd come in on the day of the test, 
and they'd ace it. And I'm sitting here like I had to study all weekend for this test and I'd get my grade back and it was like a C. And I'm like, so there's always those people that like they just retain so much information that it's not hard for them. It's not challenging for them. And so it, I think it depends on the student. But I, I definitely think that there is a need to cut back on the reliance that we have as a society and as individuals on the Internet. I think that's definitely a big thing. Um, I think that in terms of the real world and how, I don't know, I guess you'd say that the Internet's affected real-world events. I mean, as we mentioned earlier, with just false information and false information and how that affects public perception of certain things, I think it's safe to assume that without the, inter without the Internet, the certain, certain global events wouldn't have gotten the motivation or the they wouldn't have taken off with such speed. I mean, take elections, for example. With our elections here in America, what the Internet, from just political ads to people ranting each other on Facebook to all the to campaign websites that affects how we all perceive our candidates or just how well the information is perceived and like information is always different when it's said by someone else but I mean if you took if you took the internet away and you just had to listen to them talking you had to actually pay attention and listen to all the races you had to watch all the articles you had to pay attention to all that the race would have had very different I think it would, the results may have been the same, but I think the means that people would have gotten their opinions would have been changed dramatically. And um, that's sort of interesting that you mentioned that because, like, I remember uh, in 2016 during the elections, for example, um, all of a sudden on social media sites like Facebook and Twitter and so on, you start seeing a bunch of ads or people linking these different stories from news sites that I've never heard of. And so, you know, uh, I'm sure that many people saw that and were like, all right, I'm sure that this is incredible or might not be credible. I might want to check on it, but I'm confident that there are plenty of people out there that just saw these news, news websites with some story about some crazy thing that just happened in the election read it and then took it at face value and believed it and you know that was influencing people influencing votes and in and, turn influencing and affecting real world events yeah, yeah exactly and like um in that case i think that it you know i'm not trying to say anything on the election itself but that sort of situation can be detrimental and, overall and even on a small even on a much much smaller scale the internet does affect certain crime like crime rates or not crime rates the way that crimes are necessarily handled in the world like if someone said oh my god i just saw this person in a green pickup truck with a scratch on the side you know run a red light and almost hit a person you know, people are going to keep an eye out for that. Or, oh my god, I just saw this person get hit or robbed by a person matching this description. You put that on the internet, and people will suddenly just, they won't be on the lookout necessarily, but if they see it, they'll let other people know, and it spreads on and spreads on. And there's not many accounts, but there are, I think, a decent amount of crimes that were solved by social media usage. Okay, I think this is a huge capstone idea that really sort of summarizes 
this entire podcast in the theme of sort of the internet and that like looking at the way society functions today versus how it functioned 30 40 years ago before the internet how do people get their news nowadays the internet the internet get to the internet or other digital means other digital means that are that come from the internet and how did people get their information back before the internet existed through papers that were written by credible sources that were written by people that knew what they were talking about that covered the events firsthand or other sources but it was always something that was more credible and i think part of that is just because it's not as easy for people to lie and come up with these things that are you know may or may not be true that become believable when you're writing it in a paper that is you know read over by i mean look at the new york times you know how many people like editors and revisers and like all that read through those articles before they run them in the paper versus someone posting something on a blog somewhere on the internet and then it just being out there for anyone to see. Well, and then uh, another thing along those lines with media in, you know, 50-ish, whatever, how many, however many years ago, is like they were catering to a smaller audience. You know, you had these papers now that are in the New York Times that are at least nationwide around the Americas. I don't know if uh, they're um, available in other countries or anything, but that's beside the point. They're... They are to, if you get online and look them up online. I mean, well, people can still access the New York Times and subscribe whether or not they live in the U.S. I mean, like, which is also another thing. It's like these newspapers that never used to be read by other countries are now accessible due to the Internet. And that's the thing is now they're catering to a significantly larger audience than they were before. So before, you know, I feel like you could read a story in the paper and you could assume that it would be more credible than what you'd see now simply because there's not really a reason for it not to be that credible. It's like, you know, it, it could be argued, obviously, that there would be reasons for people to put false information in these older papers, but as you, like... As uh, a general overview sort of consensus. Yeah, it's like, you know, now people have interests and stocks and so on and so forth. Back then... It was more like, here's the information, do with it as you please. Yeah. <laughs> and um, because of that smaller audience, I feel like news uh, publications, I guess, I almost said websites, um, were less inclined to spread false information or be misleading to the public simply because they didn't really have a reason to. They weren't trying to influence people, they were just trying to give them the news mm -hmm. so i mean i mean based on that the based on that it's it would be idiotic to say that the internet hasn't affected real world events oh, yeah. and a point and a point that i'd like to make and we will be covering this more in depth in a later episode is how the internet has allowed people to stay anonymous and allow them to post certain information that they couldn't post or send out without being crucified by anyone's and the biggest contributor or the biggest contributor to this is WikiLeaks which allowed people who had connections who had internet connections to send to leak information about their companies that they couldn't do they couldn't do on the they couldn't do themselves without being risked without 
risking having their entire lives taken apart by these companies. And while there are bigger cases that affected the world in much bigger scales, I think it's a good I think it's a good point to remember that this is a real world and still prevalent and active website that does facilitate facilitate real world change. And I would I would like to keep talking about this, but we're going to be saving this for another episode to deal with the Freedom of Information Act. So stay tuned and keep an eye out for our next podcast concerning that. Um, so then before we wrap this up, on like a scale of one to ten, one being um, least beneficial and ten being most beneficial, where do you think the internet falls? I'm asking the two of you and then I'll have my opinion and then from there we'll just sort of leave it but Kyle on a scale of one to ten where would you place the internet that's a tough one because um, I feel like the internet is both very beneficial I mean like let's be honest here the internet as a thing is kind of the biggest discovery that humans have ever really had since fire like it's it's literally changed the way that the world functions yeah and um whether that be for better or worse i don't really know not quite yet anyway i mean it's still the way that we use it anyway is still young enough so to say that we don't really know the potential consequences so like a five i'd yeah i'd give it a five simply because i'm unsure at this point um I'd be curious to see in another 20 years how it will progress. At this stage, in at this stage, at this point in humans' experience with the internet, I'm giving it about a six because overall it's done far more it's done far more good than negative, at least from what I have seen and read about and witnessed in the world. It's done much better. But I kind of think of it as this is just as an example, it's kind of, the internet somewhat reminds me of a gilded cage. It's supposed to be something that's glorious and shiny and golden that you love and you, and it's a, you appreciate, but it's also the fact that it's a cage. You're trapped in it no matter what. So I think our world lives in that gilded cage of the internet. It's incredible, it's beautiful, and it does do so much wonder, but it's a cage nonetheless. And people have to realize that to move forward. Um, just because I like to be different, I'm going to go ahead and rate it at like a five and a half. And <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and my reason, bad guys. my reason for that is because I think I agree with Gibson in that there has been a lot of good that has come from the internet. But I'm also on the side of Kyle, where I think, you know, sure, but also, the internet is still very young, from a historical standpoint. Because the internet really only came to fruition in, like, the early 2000s. Well, I mean, that's when it, that's when it reached its So peak. we're looking at, like, less than 30 years of actual use to analyze it. So... You know, it's similar to, like, anything, any sort of technology. You can't really just say, oh, you know, it sucks, or, oh, it's really great, without really having a full-on experience. And what blows my mind is that it's come this far, 
in that amount of time. And it, it interests me to see how far it will continue to go and if it continues to cause this problem or if it continues to sort of improve society and just like what direction that goes in. So like I'm kind of like I'm sitting at a five, but like I'm hopeful that it's on the up and coming in terms of like mitigating a lot of the problems that it has. So I don't know. Yeah. I love that we're talking about the internet as if it's a person, but yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, a final point that I like to make. Yeah, the internet. Just because... The internet, man. She's sexy, man. I give. I give her a six. Yeah. yeah. She's um, a solid six. Yeah. I, I give her a seven. But um, there's two final points I want to make. Um, number one, after all this talk about the internet, I think it's safe to say that you should all go see Wreck-It Ralph breaks the internet. Uh, second is that you've heard our opinions about how we perceive the internet at this point in its development, and you've heard us talk about our reasonings behind us having these opinions. But just ask yourselves, like, which one would you consider, which would you consider the internet more? Would you consider it as a savior or a slaver? And I think it's just good for us to just reflect on that and come to terms with how we perceive it. And even if it's not just personal, I mean, regardless of what platform you're listening to this on, um, we're on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. But, oh, and Instagram and Facebook. But like, you can't listen to it really on those. But what I'm saying is if you do have an opinion, I'm sure we would all be interested to hear what you have to say. So if you aren't listening to this on a place where you can actually respond, I would, I would, uh, we would all be very appreciative of any comments. Yeah. I was going to say, if you, if you want to comment on you, the YouTube and sort of let us know. And then if you want to go on Facebook and Instagram and t- tell us how you feel, that's, that's doable too. We're it's all room thir- four thirteen podcast. So you can find us on any of those platforms at room four thirteen podcast. And, um, a final thing before we close up, I like to, like to say one big thank you to our guest. Would you like to say your name one more time for our great uh, fans so they can remember you forever? Yes, I am Kyle, uh, also known as Chubbs McNubbs. Hit me up on Xbox. Uh, an, an honorary <laughs> member of the Room 413 boys. Yes. Or the LA boys. There we go. Either Hopefully one Hopefully I will uh, come back for another one. Oh, I'm sure you'll be back. Um, um, I know that we our RA has expressed interest in being on our podcast, so you'll probably hear from him in a couple of episodes, and I, we've got a lot of friends, too, that are interested. Um, so just appreciate you guys listening. This is only our second episode, and it's been fun to do so far. So as long as we have continued support and the desire to do so, this is something that we'll probably carry on for a while. Um, but yeah, on that, I am Sam, a.k.a. Henry Pintail. I am Gibson, a.k.a. the magnificent Phil Franklin. And for the final time, I am Kyle, (laughs) also known as Chubbs McNuff. (laughs) All right, and this has been the Room 413 podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you in the next episode. See ya. Baby, that we all want, we all need fashion. Baby, that we all want, we all need fashion. Have I lost control? A voice says I might need my soul But that's when I remember that we all want, we all need fashion